Hello and welcome to season three, episode number 10 of the podcast, What is Culture? My name is Rocco Longarello, and this week we switch gears a bit and I feature a guest outside of the Tango organization for the first time in a few months. So if you're familiar with the show, then you know that most of the guests have been employees of Tango, the global enterprise technology management company that I work for. But looking ahead, I will feature guests from several professions and industries, all who will have their own unique perspectives. Culture is a hot topic in the workplace, and we can all learn from each other. Still, I will continue to interview Tango employees, just not so exclusively, which was always the plan for this show. So this week, I'm happy to share my conversation with Nicole Jansen, keynote speaker, founder of Discover the Edge, host of the podcast, Leaders of Transformation, and co-author of the book, Power Up Superwoman. What's cool is that Nicole and I met on the site Tribe of Titans, which is an audience collaboration platform founded by Josh and Tyler Tapp. And before we did the show, she and I had a quick chat one night as I was driving home from the office, and we, we just connected instantly. So Nicole has helped thousands of people transform their lives and achieve success in business. Her unique style of mentoring stems from over 30 years in business, but more importantly, her own experience overcoming adversity. So let's get to the show. Here's my conversation with the very knowledgeable, very down-to-earth, and very real Nicole Jansen. Let's all learn from her. Well, thanks again for getting on the show <laughs> and for rescheduling when my daughter was sick and now she's better and, of course, I'm sick, so... But hopefully I don't sound like somebody who has like a thermometer in their mouth and like a, you know, one of those cold things over their heads. Um, but <laughs> so, so Nicole, you're, you're the founder of Discover the Edge, which is strength-based training and development company. Um, you're the host of a podcast called Leaders of Transformation, uh, also a guest speaker or keynote speaker, and recently a co-author of the book Power Up Superwoman. So that that's quite an impressive resume, obviously. But I imagine there there must have been some kind of epiphany or spiritual awakening or a tipping point or something to get you where you are today professionally. So I wonder if you can just tell us more about your background and your journey leading up to where you are today. Sure. And uh, I hope you're feeling better soon, by the way. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> Isn't that wonderful with children is that they cough on you and then they share their, they share their germs, their little, little, uh, mm. yeah. So, um, but they're, they're precious. They're precious. And I'm, I'm glad your daughter's feeling a little bit better. Thank well, you. yeah. So um, in terms of what brought me here, you asked about epiphanies and so forth. I mean, there's been a lot of epiphanies over the years. Um, I've, been in business for over 30 years. I started out when I was in my teens. Actually, before I started my own business, I was helping in my parents' business. They had uh, garage businesses, but also a home-based business. And so I got to see firsthand what it was like to grow a business from scratch and to be able to build mm. community, to build a team, to uh, in, you know encourage people through the ups and downs in business. And so I saw that firsthand and it was a great opportunity. 
And then, as I said, I got into business when I was in my teens, actually officially started my business when I was 16 years old, and I knew I wanted to be in business for myself. I just didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, and so I registered my company very general with, you know, in my name, and it was ProNet International, and networking was a more of a buzz term back then. This, of course, dates me, but um, that was way back then. And um, and I was just like, sales and marketing, yeah, we'll just get going and then we'll figure it out along the way. And along the way, I had a lot, like I said, a lot of epiphanies and course corrections. And business, you know, in business, there's a lot of, um, you know, you want to, there's a lot of talk about, you know, focusing on your mission, staying steadfast to the goal but there's also a point where you've got to be willing to pivot and to recognize that there's a new door that opens and, and to take that opportunity, the right opportunities, not any, just every opportunity, but specifically the right opportunities. And I had the opportunity of doing that after uh, my, my parents' business became very successful, the home-based business. Uh, we ended up actually selling uh, the other businesses that my had my dad had and um, and really just focusing on this one particular business we ended up building it uh, internationally had thousands of people on our team doing millions of dollars with the business and at some point I just thought that was what I was going to do for the rest of my life I know my parents certainly thought that's what they were going to do with the rest of their life and a few years later it all fell apart that's a long story in itself and lots of valuable lessons. And we're talking about culture. Your podcast is called What is Culture? And the problem, I would say, the core problem, the core issue is leadership, but it was the culture. And we had, we were in, actually in business with people that didn't share the same values that we had. And they prioritized themselves over the mission and over the team and and helping others. And, and so money, that's what happens oftentimes when you add a bunch of zeros to the end. Uh, you know, money doesn't change people, but it certainly reveals people. And so, you know, at that point, I was in my late 20s. And, um, you know, I was like, what am I, what am I going to do the rest of my life? Do I want to rebuild this particular business model? Or now that I know some of the flaws in it? Or do I want to go and do something else? And so I decided to extract all the learning that I had gained over the years and uh, go into my own business, which was um, back to focusing more on my own business because for at one point I had kind of set aside some of the things I was doing to focus on that. And then I ended up partnering with my parents and they're in that business and, uh, and actually still own it today. There's still a little remnant of it today. Um, but I, I decided to focus on Discover the Edge and Discover the Edge was initially designed to, you mentioned it's a strengths-based uh, company, it was initially designed to teach personality dynamics because one of the things that I recognized over the years was that every business is a people business. And so if you don't understand how to work with different personality types, you're going to have a hard time in business and you're going to yep. have a hard time in leadership. And so that's where it started but as I was going into companies and working with their teams, I started to see other areas in the business that were, were struggling, were, were not working as well as they could have. The systems weren't in place, you know, and so I, the strategy wasn't in place. So a lot of it was ad hoc. 
uh, or disconnected between departments. One department's doing this, and they're focused on this mission. Another department over here is doing, and there's a lot of conflict in between them. And so after listening to these conversations and the issues that were going on, I started to offer to work with them on putting the main thing first. What is the mission? Why are you in business in the first place? And then helping them to recalibrate their team on all levels so that they were going in the right direction. And so they weren't, they weren't um, sabotaging each other in the process. And, putting, and so, so they could create greater results with the same or less effort. And so I've been doing that for a number of years now. It's been over 15 years and uh, loving it. Four years ago, I had another epiphany and started a podcast, and that's been fun. Interviewed over 300 difference makers and world changers and some amazing leaders, even much greater leaders and more successful business owners than myself. Um, And it has just been a real pleasure. So... What made you decide to host a podcast? I, I'm just curious, like why that medium? So it's kind of interesting because on the personal side, I, so I had the, the business, business is going well. On the personal side, things started to go awry with me. I got married and um, a couple years in, my husband decided he didn't want to be married. And so we went through that for a number of years back and forth. And, you know, I was trying to support him through his, midlife crisis and all that was going on. And in the process of that, I really got depleted emotionally and stepped away from really focusing on the business itself, on content creation and development. And so, and I moved to the U.S. from Canada. I'm originally from Toronto. And so I was really in a place where, you know, the industry was growing. People were developing courses like they are today, you know, just really getting involved in, in content creation. And a lot of my friends said, you got to develop your own content. You got to get into video. You got to do Facebook lives or whatever, you know, all of that. Mm -hmm. And I emotionally didn't have the wherewithal to do it. Like I was, I have kind of two speeds. I'm full blast or stop, you know, and I was, I was kind of like chugging along there and I'm going, I just, I just don't even know, like, you know, and so, I woke up one morning, and this is over four years, just over four years ago now, and I woke up one morning, and I had this divine download, and it was like God said to me, you're going to do a podcast. It's going to be called Leaders Transformation. You're going to interview difference makers and world changers. Go. And I remember thinking, this is 4.30 in the morning, and I'm not usually up at 4.30. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to do a podcast? When am I going to do this podcast? Like, what's, I had, it was not on my radar at all. And I said, when are we going to do this? And it's like, now. Like, now isn't like now, now, or like in the next six months? No, now. And so I literally got out of bed. <laughs> are you and serious? And called a friend. I got out of bed, and I called a friend that was, it was 4.30 in the morning, who is up at 4.30 in the morning? People that are on a different time zone. I happen to know somebody who is an excellent podcaster who was on Atlantic Canada time, four hours ahead. So I called him up uh, and I said, hey, you got a couple of minutes? And he said, sure. I said, tell me about this podcasting thing. What do I need to know? Because apparently I'm supposed to do a podcast. And so it was Saturday morning and so I had some time to work on it and put some pieces together. He, we talked for about 20 minutes. He gave me the basics on it. 
and what I needed. Like I didn't know anything about it. And so I started and I think I was live within two weeks. I think, no, I was recording. I had recorded my first few episodes within two weeks. And I think we were live a week or two later once it was approved by uh, iTunes and everything. And so, yeah, it was like, okay, there is no strategy. There's no long-term planning on this one. It was like, you, you know, I, I was obedient and I just jumped in. And it has been such a blessing because, like, the reason why I gave you the, the backstory on my personal uh, situation was at that point, I had a hard time creating my own content. But putting a podcast together and showcasing other people, well, that I could do. Mm-hmm. I am a big believer in you know, building and helping people to play to their strengths. That's what I do. It's in my nature. It's one of my core strengths. And so for me to be able to you know, acknowledge the strengths in them, to be able to showcase them and promote them, that was easy. And so I started to reach out to people that were in my network. I had a great network already, some people I hadn't talked to in a while. And so this was an opportunity for them, for me to reach out to them, see how they were doing, invite them on the podcast. And then it very quickly went from there. They started referring their friends, and I've now had booking agents uh, sending me guests that I haven't had to look for guests for years. Um, and so what a blessing also uh, because not only was I able to develop content that was valuable and to create the visibility that I needed in the marketplace, and the credibility in the marketplace and the consistency, three things I think that are very important in, in building a business. But also, it gave me the opportunity to shift my association from fo- and my focus from focusing on the challenges that I was facing at home to being around people that were inspiring. They were inspiring my listeners, but they were also inspiring me. And it was, it was like it reignited me. It reminded me who I was. It reminded me in the midst of all the, the difficult situation and, and the, the inadequacy, the, you know, my, my ex-husband now, he's my ex-husband now, um, is to, you know, if he would say to me, you know, initially it started off as it was my fault, like I'm not enough, you know. And so I went through this whole process of, you know, I was a confident person, but realizing that, you know, as confident as I was, when somebody that close to you says you're not enough, it does challenge that. And I went through a lot of inner work and inner healing for myself and really getting to that point of self-acceptance. Um, and, and so, but in that process, like I said, you know, to, to be able to connect with people that were on fire about their life, that were successful, it's, what you focus on expands. And so while I was focusing on these, all these inner things and I was kind of, I had gone inward, this was a way for me to, um, to shift that focus outward, not to avoid this inner work, but to balance it out so that I could um, see a different perspective on it, if you will. Yeah. So it's been val- amazing. It's been valuable. I love that. It's like the idea of when you're struggling, and I appreciate your honesty with your, your personal struggles. I, it's, it's refreshing to hear someone just speak about that. I'm the same way. I've just, I, I, I'll share anything if it's relevant to the conversation, but I think when I struggle with that and I'm kind of being taken over by my own world, the best way to break through is to get out of your own head and by spending time and focusing on your guest, 
it's crazy that what a tool that can be that the podcaster it, it's like um, it's cathartic and it's recharging and it's also exposing you to to you know areas of businesses that you maybe didn't know you're learning all these things but first and foremost you're just listening you're in the moment you're kind of forgetting about yourself for a minute and so I could totally see how the podcast was uh, like had a medicinal purpose. It's really interesting. Oh yeah, and the conversations. If you think about the the conversations that we have, you know, the quality of your life is determined by the quality of questions you ask yourself and the conversations that you have. I think uh, too often we we feed on junk food or. In some cases, like people will go out and party and, and, and spend a lot of time trying to avoid their current situation by going out and doing those things. And then there's others, more like the introverts like myself. We go inwards. We start asking ourselves questions and we start analyzing and focusing and looping in certain, you know, thir- certain thought processes. And so like you said, this gave me an opportunity to get outside of that, forget myself and my situation for a little while so that I could focus on somebody else. And the funny thing is, is that I started to share these, of course, on social media, and people are like, oh, my gosh, this is so amazing, and you have such an amazing life, and so forth. And I'm like, you have no idea what's going on (laughs) behind the scenes. And it was kind of like coaching. It's funny because not that my guests would coach me on the call, but it's like I'm a very reflective person. So they would be sharing something, maybe their own personal experience or what they're doing in business. And I'd be processing and going, wow, you know, what about that for me? And checking in with myself on that. And sometimes there were guests that would challenge me. I had one guest on my show, Leonard Kim. And afterwards we stayed in touch. And he's all about vulnerability, sharing your story, sharing your failures, your struggles. And um, and so he encouraged me to uh, be, be vulnerable, to share some of those things, because I'm not the type of person that shares my personal challenges on social media. That's not who I am. And I'm very private in that way. And I just, it comes from the culture that I grew up in, which was you, you didn't pass down negative, right? You, mm-hmm. People were already having their own challenges. So you didn't go and share the challenges that you have. They have enough of their own. You want to encourage them. You want to uplift them. And then you have your close personal, you know, uh, inner circle where you could address some of the things that were going on with you. But you didn't share it publicly. And so um, when I started to do that, though, my dad passed away three years ago. My mother passed away last year. All of this is happening. When my dad passed, it was so sudden and such a shock like I, he was fine one day and gone the next. And literally, like I woke up one morning and got a call from my mother at 7 a.m. And she said, your father just passed away. And I'm like, what? I just talked to him two days ago. Like, what is going on? Well, so I shared that on social media, how I felt like about a month later and some of the experience that I had. And I just, I felt led to share it. And we, I talk about hope and without hope, you know, heart, the heart is sick, right? Without having hope, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And, um, but with hope, you know, there's, there's life. There is, um, without vision, the people perish, another scripture. And so I talked a little bit about that. And I just put it up on my own personal page on, on social, on Facebook, and had a few thousand people that watched that. 
video. And I say that because Leonard and I recently did an interview about his book, Ditch the Act, which just came out, yeah. and he talks about ditching the act and being vulnerable and, and exposing the, the challenges. Great and title. How do you do that? Excellent, yes. And highly recommend the book. And he talked about that video, and he said, I remember when that video came out and uh, that I was able to connect more deeply with you, Nicole, because I got to know you a little bit more. And that was a great lesson for me. And I, so I started to share a little bit more about some of the things that had gone on uh, and were going on in my life. And not just from a, here's all the, you know, poor me type of thing. It wasn't about that. Because these experiences are not, are not um, curses, they're blessings. Because I have also, in the midst of the most difficult seasons of my life, I have also learned and grown the most. We grow in the valleys not on the mountaintops. And so uh, it has been, you know, uh, a great journey of being able to share some of those lessons and so I can encourage, truly encourage, not just from having words, but really having people understand that I'm saying that from a place of experience, you know. And, and your show is, you know, we're talking about the personal side. Your show is about culture. The question is what kind of culture do you create in your in your circle of friends, right? What kind of culture do you create in your company? I believe that it's a lifestyle. It's not like, oh, we turn it on here at work and we do this here and then at home we do this and, you know, in different areas of our life are segmented. It's who you are, you know? And so the more vulnerable that I learned to be, the more honest and authentic I learned to be, the more I grew, the more it shifted the culture in my house and in my relationships with my friends and also in my business and in my coaching, in my podcast and the community that I've built around my podcast as well and the culture on social media, the followers and so forth that I have. Mm. I love that story. And I, I think when someone's going through something challenging, when they could get advice or hear a story from someone who's been almost in the same exact boat, there's something about that person and though when they're speaking and you know that they truly empathize with you, that you really, your ears just perk up and you're like, okay, they've been through it. What can I gain from that experience? What can, what did they go through that I can learn from? And you just, you really become focused on that person because you're like, wow, we're totally connected. They've been through the exact same thing. And it, it's just comforting to know that because when you're going through such horrible things, it seems like it's, why is this happening to me? It's like very, you know, self loathing and it, it's not, it happens to a lot of us and it's well, important. Isolating. Yeah. It's also mm. isolating. We have a tendency when we are going through difficult times, we have a tendency to think I'm the only one I'm all alone. Nobody gets me. Nobody's been through the same experiences as me. Oh, sure, maybe those people have. Maybe Oprah has been through experience, but the people around me don't know. Mm -hmm. I can't call Oprah on the phone and, talk, and ask her <laughs> how she handled going through the challenges that she went through or whoever, you know. But it's the people around you. It's like, wow, we see on social media that, you know, people are – it's the highlight reels. It's, it's what, you know, amazing – vacations they're going on and you see happy pictures of them and their spouse and you're like, wow, good for you. Unfortunately, and I don't wish this on anyone, 
But I have seen people that have shown, shown beautiful pictures of themselves and their spouse, and then I find out a week or a month later that they've separated. You know, things look so rosy and perfect, and everybody looks at them and goes, wow, I wish I had what you had. And we, and we idolize them. And yet at the same time, we don't know the challenges that, uh, that we're going through. Somebody challenged me, and um, I think it was actually Leonard in that interview we did recently, and he said, if you and your husband had had a community around you, had built a culture, that community around you where you could share, maybe things would have been different if you didn't feel so isolated and he didn't feel so isolated and went off and did certain things in, in the shadows, in the you know, hiding out type of thing, that maybe if those issues and challenges that were going on could have been uh, shared in a space where he could get that support and then he felt it was safe, that maybe things would have been different. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know. And, and so it is important to, um, to surround yourself with people that understand and don't try to solve all your problems for you. It's not about that. Or when I've, I've gone through some grief processing and what I've discovered is that most people don't understand how to process grief. We're not taught how to do that. You know, people will say things like, you know, power through it. You're strong. You can do this. Keep going. And that's, that's fair. And that's a good advice in certain circumstances. However, there are certain points where you've got to stop and check in and sit with the grief and process through it. And when people say, well, you know what, I know he's gone, but there's going to be somebody better. Or, you know, I know that, that this person has, has passed on, but they're in a better place now. Or, you know, those things that we try to say to people to comfort them, which is absolutely not a comfort at all, you know. And, and so realizing that, that when we understand how to process that for ourselves, we also allow people and give people the space and are much more wise in how we help other people create the space for them to process through their challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's not about, it oftentimes it's not about solving their problem. They don't need you to solve their problem for them or fix it or give them words that, you know, sometimes there is words, in, in encourage, words of encouragement help, but sometimes they just need a listening ear. You know, yeah. and I, I do want to say this about my now ex-husband. Um, what I also learned in this process is I learned how to love. I learned how to have empathy for him. I learned how to to forgive and get to the point where I realized that there's actually even nothing to forgive because of the gift that I gained through it. Because it was only through this experience that I learned how to love more deeply, that I learned how to um, love myself and, and also to love others. And so I love him today. I absolutely love him 100% and I wish the best for him. And I don't just say that. I really mean that. But that took a lot of work, inner work, to get to that point. And, um, you know, because a lot of people, they hold that bitterness. But that's not... Mm-hmm. It's not worth I get that he was doing the best that he could with what he has and he was doing the best that he knew how. And when we realize that, and again I, I, I bring it back to culture, right? When you can 
Now protract this out and use these lessons in business and have empathy and compassion on people and recognize that most people, they're just doing the best they can. And you can create a space for them to be able to be their best, to play to their strengths, to to know that they are valued and they are appreciated for who they are. And they may not be, you know, the the highest performer every single day, but as long as they're doing the best they can and that you're encouraging them and uplifting them, sure, there's standards, there's metrics that need to be reached, but oftentimes the you know, I don't I'm sure you know these statistics, is most people who quit jobs don't quit jobs because of the pay or because of the job. They quit jobs because of the managers, mm-hmm. that they couldn't get along with their manager or they didn't feel valued by their manager. And so as a leader, it is important for us to be vulnerable, like we're talking about, in a, in a in, a, in, in an appropriate way and create that space of um, uh, we don't have to, we're not portraying like we're perfect. So therefore, because if we portray that, then of course all our people, they know we're not perfect. And so there's already, you know, the disconnect there. But then they also feel that they need to be perfect. And the interesting thing is, is that how we learn, how we grow is by making mistakes. And so, that's why the, the and, and as I said, in, in the valleys, in the difficult seasons, mm-hmm. you know, when things aren't working, that's where we learn, that's where we grow the most. And so if we can allow for that to happen, innovation happens through making mistakes. It's trial and error. Ooh, that didn't work. And moving, what do we learn about, you know, from that and how do we move forward? So, you know, that to me is, it's it's more than just what we're talking about here is personal. It applies, you know, to any area of our of our life. Yeah, I, it does, and I and it all starts with like the the ability to be vulnerable, right? And and ditching yes. the act. And for yes. some, like for me, my personality that that comes easy, and in personal life. And then once you enter a work culture where that's embraced, great. That because I I can only thrive in a place like that, but I think, and I know many people who are only vulnerable with like three or four people in their entire circle. Like they just yeah. there's something so fearful about it, or they don't want to you know, they don't want to take the curtain down. They just they like to be seen as one particular way and they won't ever be vulnerable maybe for to their spouse or their parents but you never see that side of them and it's it's like a conscious uh choice i think well it may be conscious but it's driven by the subconscious so we are taught in school that we need to have all the answers you know and when you have a wrong answer and you you raise your hand and you say the answer and it's wrong and all the other kids snicker at you what do, you, what do you think to yourself for most people? They think, mental note to self, don't do that again. <laughs> yeah. so I'm not going to expose myself so that other people can laugh at me. And if I have an insecurity about my own self-worth and my value and who I am, then I'm not going to expose myself because then that's just proving that fear that I have. It's just reinforcing it. And I think that ultimately we all have when we were kids, we all kind of gained this, 
this primary lie, and it's always around not being enough. You hear people talk about it, right? I, I didn't feel like I was enough until I learned that I was, you know, I'm, I was enough, right? And the self-worth and the self-value. Sometimes it, it is I'm unsafe, right? Some people it's I'm not important, right? Um, I'm insignificant. There's different words that we might use, and I think they relate in part to our personality, that it, that it, uh, it hits us different ways or impacts us or, or sticks with us in different ways. Yeah. But ultimately, it all comes down to not feeling enough. And if I don't feel enough and if I'm not secure in who I am, then I'm going to spend, and I, and I don't like that feeling, that doesn't feel good, so I'm going to do everything I can to prove that that's not true. So I'm going to, I'm going to be an overachiever. I'm going to work really hard to put on a good front so that nobody sees that side of me. Because what if they saw that side of me and they didn't accept me? Then I wouldn't be loved. What if they rejected me and I wouldn't be loved and accepted? And that's really all that I think that people, they want to be loved and they want to love others, you know. And so without that love and that acceptance, who am I, right? That's why we create are a lot of times, like our, you think of identity, right? Identity oftentimes is wrapped up in what we do. It is our accomplishments. It's what we have in our bank account. It's the car we drive. It's the house we live in. It's the spouse we have. It's, you know, all of that, the size of business that we have, the number of employees that we have, the number of people that report to us. Those types of things then, be, you know, oftentimes become people's identity. And the problem with that is, is if you take that away, the person's identity starts to crumble and, and sometimes they don't ever recover, right? But that's the moment, that's the, the, the defining moment. Like when our business fell apart and we lost everything, I, I mean, it really does, you take, a, it take, you take a hit and you're like, what? I did all this? And now what? I've got nothing to show for it. Who am I without all of this? And that's when you find, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where you find out who you are. And the people that are the most comfortable being vulnerable in a healthy way, because you can be vulnerable in an unhealthy way where you're just basically looking for sympathy. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just being able to share who you are at the core and being okay with it. Are the people that get even if it's on a subconscious level, that they get their identity is not wrapped up in any of that, right? Yeah. But that they yep. know who they are. They know who they are. They, their identity is connected to something much higher, much greater. Like me, for example, where I realized God created me worthy. He created me with value. I was born out of that womb. I didn't have to earn love. I didn't have to earn my worth or earn my value. None of all of this is just external. My value as a person, as human being, is what it is, right? Because of who I am, not what I do. And there's a certain freedom in that because then, yeah, I can share things because I don't, I, it, it doesn't devalue me to share that. And in fact, actually externally, like you said, externally, it actually increases my value ironically because people feel that they can connect more deeply with people that are vulnerable and they will follow leaders more. They'll be more inclined to connect and trust 
and be loyal to leaders that are vulnerable. Hmm. Yeah, I not agree. Weak. Not, no. not weak, vulnerable, two different things. Right. So I, I wonder when you, do, when you do your podcast, you said you've done 300 episodes about so far. When you're interviewing these leaders and these entrepreneurs, how often does the topic of culture arise when you're talking to those, to those people? Great question. Well, it, it comes up a lot because they're leaders. They have teams. We talk about who they are and how they show up. And then, of course, it, leadership is about influencing, inspiring others to take action, inspiring others to be their best. And so a lot of, a lot of us, do, you know, in the, in the conversations we talk about culture, it may be on a personal level. Um, it may be, when you think of culture, there's a, there's, there's a few elements to that, right? Culture is about establishing core values, right? How do you agree to, I have a mentor of mine, Blair Singer, who wrote a book called Code of Honor. And if anybody is looking to build a healthy culture within their team and their organization, I highly recommend that book. And this team code of honor is the, is the way that it's like the rules of the game, the rules of engagement. How do we agree to communicate with each other? And I'm talking about things like uh, supporting. How do we support each other? How do we speak of each other? We don't allow gossip, Right. Um, maybe it's it, so these are cultural things in each company. It's going to be a little bit different in each family. It's going to be a little bit different, but there are some commonalities across the board, right? That people want to be valued. They want to be respected. They want the freedom to, you know, and the opportunity to play to their strengths. And so what you do is you build this, this code of honor where everybody agrees. This is the way that we play this game. If you're going to be on an NFL football team, there are rules to the game. And any business needs to have rules. We have rules. Every business has rules, but if they're not written down and they're not clear, then you kind of have to shadow box to figure out, oh, okay, I see how this game is played. And usually that means it's an unhealthy culture. Mm. And so healthy cultures are well-defined and are intentional. And so... Um, yeah, we talk about those types of things on the call because great leaders understand the importance of culture and it yeah. starts at home. It starts at home. I love that. And I think that's so true because these, the, it's all, it's all people based companies, right? That's not anything profound. That's not a profound statement, but it's people together in one building, right? Working for an organization and your culture at home with your family, that's going to bleed into the organization. It just, it, there's no way around it. Absolutely. Because who you are is going to show up because you are, you are there, right? You are going to show up, you know, you might be, you might be unhappy at work and you might enjoy your family, but at some point one is going to influence the other. Yeah. And you just get to choose. It's like uh, another thing Blair used to say is highest energy wins. So when your energy towards something, or if it's negative, it's if it's a negative energy is higher and more stronger than the positive energy, that negative will out, outweigh the positive. It'll, yeah. it'll uh, suffocate it, if you will. It's like weeds in a garden, right? You know, it starts <laughs> to suffocate uh, the healthy uh, or the plants that you want, right? And, and so um, you just got to decide 
what you want your culture to be like and then live that. One of the things that I um, put together, um, actually put together for your, I thought your listeners would enjoy it, is a uh, free resource. And I can give you a link so they can pick that, they can get that. They don't have yeah. to sign up for my list or anything. That's fine. I just give it to them. It's called Transforming Your Business into a Force for Good. And it's really about building uh, a mission-based business and a big part of that being the culture is aligning people to what it is that you're, um, that you're about as a, as a company. And in there, I talk about, you know, okay, you can enroll your team, you can get clear on the vision, you can enroll your team, you do all these things, but then you got to live it. And as the leader, you got to live it. You can't just tell other people or be that way at work and say, you know, you need to be kind to people, you need to work hard and be a high performer and and then be a jerk at home. Like that doesn't, there's a disconnect. And people smell that, they, it, it eventually comes out. Yeah. Right? So it's how you do anything, it's how you do everything, um, you know, and that is um, quite often very true. You know, it's like if you live at a level of, it's like if you live with a spirit of excellence, then you're going to live with a spirit of excellence in everything that you do because you're going to carry it with you. If you live with a spirit of mediocrity, if you live with a spirit of selfishness, if you live with a spirit of uh, self-importance, then you're going to take that everywhere you go. Wow. So great talking to you, Nicole. There's a lot of information that you provided. And where can our listeners go to find more information about you and your company and your podcast? Sure. So they can go to discovertheedge.com. That's my main page and um, the site that I, uh, the page that I created for your listeners designated page is discovertheedge.com forward slash what is culture. And uh, the, the podcast, they can get to the podcast through discovertheedge.com through the main page, uh, the main um, homepage, but they can also go to the designated website that I have for that, which is leadersoftransformation.com. Of course, I'm all over social media under Nicole Jansen and leadersoftransformation.com, leaders of transformation, pardon me, and uh, Discover the Edge. So that's the show. Great thanks to our guest, Nicole Jansen. Your honesty is just so refreshing. So although we cover many topics in this conversation, the importance of vulnerability and the positive impact that it can have on culture, both inside and outside of work, stuck out to me the most, hence the title of this episode. I also love that there are two new titles on my list of books to read. Ditch the Act, co-authored by Leonard Kim and Ryan Foland, and Team Code of Honor, which was written by Blair Singer. Also, don't forget to visit the dedicated landing page that Nicole created for our listeners, discovertheedge.com slash whatisculture. Lastly, if you're enjoying this show, please help spread the word. And if you haven't already done so, subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or really any other app you use to consume your podcasts. Also, I am making quite a bit of progress on the new website for this podcast, and we're still hoping for a February launch, so stay tuned. Thank you again, Nicole, and thank you all for listening. Until next time.